Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. I'm really excited about today's episode. Usually we talk a lot about the psychological causes of erectile dysfunction, and we don't, or we really haven't spent a lot of time talking about uh, some of the interventions, some of the things that people uh, can be doing either on their own or with the help of a therapist to uh, really address some of these psychological things. So uh, today we're joined by uh, David Khalili, Uh, He's going to talk with us about mindfulness, anxiety, and erectile dysfunction. David is a marriage and family therapist, and he is the author of the book, Sex Warriors, a really, a very relevant topic to us today. Now, there's a lot of confusion around this term mindfulness. Some people envision a Zen master in a meditative trance. Uh Other people see it as the ability to just not think about anything at all. I think of mindfulness a bit differently, but I would love for you to first and foremost, if you can kind of define for us what mindfulness is from your perspective. Yeah. Thank you. Good morning, Mark. It's good to be here. Um, Yeah. I think for me, what the way that I define mindfulness is just the present of mind, the presentness, uh, the awareness of what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind, what's going on in the situation. You know, it doesn't have to be 100% all the time just taking it all in. That would be kind of psychotic and overwhelming a little too much. Uh, but just an awareness of what's going on in your surroundings uh, and not too kind of either navel-gazy or too, um, you know, in your own head or, or like a floating head. So can I ask you to expound upon that a little bit more? When you talk about being aware of your surroundings, um, does that mean visually? Does that mean audibly uh, what's happening inside of your mind? What, like, what exactly does this mean? Yeah. Um, so the, the best way to do it is to try to engage all five senses. Um, so, you know, there's a few different protocols for this. Uh, that sounds really formal, but um, you know, one way to go about it is the body scan, uh, which is a pretty popular one and a, a popular one that I use with a lot of my clients where you would lie down uh, and close your eyes and slowly bring attention to various parts of your body, starting at the top of your head, going all the way down to the tip of your toes. And the way that I engage that is I encourage the, uh, the guys that are doing this to touch themselves while they're engaging in the body scan to see what it feels like to be touched in those different areas. So there's different ways to go about it, but I think that the best way to go about it in terms of grounding is to try to engage all five senses. To engage all five senses and and both in terms of what's happening externally, but also internally. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying not to control anything. You're just raising awareness. You're raising awareness and um, trying to build self-compassion and self-acceptance the way that I do it. And, you know, sometimes I talk to guys and we talk about acceptance and, you know, just accepting where things are at or accepting the, the nature of your problems and, Oftentimes, and, and I get it, I've been there, that it can, uh, people can think of it as uh, complacency, uh, where you're just like, all right, well, I guess that's where I'm at, and I just have to accept it and move on. When that's not really the case, the acceptance is, 
this is the problem I'm working with, and this is the the nature of the issue that I'm working with, and this is the treatment plan, or this is how I'm going to work with it. Yeah, so acceptance, I'm almost getting the sense of like uh, being an observer of what is happening, as opposed yeah. to trying to make something happen. Correct. David, where does this practice come from? Culturally, uh, historically? Yeah, historically, I mean, it's a really ancient tradition, uh, you know, in India and uh, Burmese culture. I mean, body scan meditation is uh, originated from Burmese meditation, but it was popularized by John Kabat-Zinn in the uh, 1970s with his mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy, I believe it's called. Yeah, so it's been around for time and time again, and you know, luckily we're able to utilize it to be more in touch with our sexuality and, and our body. So one of my favorite books to recommend to clients is the, uh, it's called 10% Happier, the Mindfulness Guide to Skeptics. And the reason why I like it is because a lot of a lot of the guys that I work with come in saying, you know, like, yeah, I've heard about mindfulness, I've heard about meditation, I've tried to do the breathing exercises, I've tried to um, you know, ground myself, but it doesn't really work. And the way that this book approaches it is, is it just says, look, this isn't going to be for everyone. And we're not trying to be revolutionary. We're not trying to change everything right away, but we're trying to kind of move the the ticker, move the edge a little bit further, a little bit more and more. Yeah. So I want to come to talk about that in just a couple more moments, but David, could you share with us about what some of the benefits are of practicing mindfulness, generally speaking? Yeah. So generally speaking, um, so I'll kind of go down the list. Uh, biologically speaking, you are lowering your cortisol levels, you're lowering your uh, blood pressure, you're lowering uh, your heart rate, um, you are lowering a lot of the, the stress hormones that are going kind of flooding your system. Um, psychologically and cognitively, you're more aware of what's going on, you're more present, and emotionally, you're less reactive you kind of think through your next steps. You think through your reactions a bit more. Got it. So as you were saying before, a lot of people are intimidated by the practice of mindfulness. It seems particularly counterintuitive to how many of us live our lives, certainly in the Western <laughs> world, Yeah. staying present focused and not thinking about the future. So how do you address this challenge with clients? I relate to them. I acknowledge that, yeah, you know, we are, uh, we're encouraged and we are rewarded for uh, hustling. You know, I think like grind culture, hustle culture, that was, was and is slowly going away, but, you know, it was very, very big uh, last couple of decades. And, you know, we kind of had to because of the economy and capitalism and, um, you know, the ways in which we're really pressured to produce and to um, achieve and succeed, which is, I think is other male uh, focused messages that increase anxiety and increase um, yeah, sexual anxiety. Um, so I just relate and I acknowledge and validate like, yeah, I get it. We are pressured to perform. We're pressured to get things done right away and fix them right away. But here we are. This is not, it's not possible. Uh, some of the more longer lasting fixes take a bit longer, uh, to institute. Um, so it's a bit of psychoeducation. It's a bit of relating of validating, um, and then just letting them know how I work. And I'm hearing a little bit of being, uh, accepting of the reality uh -huh. yeah. as part of a way of yeah. almost introducing that, that mindfulness. Right. Yeah. So coming a little bit toward anxiety, mindfulness is an approach among other things to decreasing anxiety. 
Anxiety obviously is a major contributing factor on the psychological end when it comes to erectile dysfunction and other sexual performance issues. So this to me is really important. How, from your perspective, does mindfulness work to address or impact and ultimately hopefully decrease anxiety? Yeah, I mean, so the the main way that anxiety or so that mindfulness reduces anxiety is it um, it slows you down, it brings you into the moment. Um, so let's let's take uh, a very common exercise: uh, the gratitude list. Lots of people talk about it. Some people uh, talk poorly about it because it feels very superficial. The practice of the gratitude list, which is it's a mindful mindfulness practice, where you take a moment every day and you either think to yourself or you list down what you're grateful for. The purpose of that is not just to acknowledge what you're grateful for, but to raise your awareness of what you're grateful for throughout the day. As you're going throughout your day, you are kind of changing your lens to scan what you're grateful for. Uh, This will then help with your outlook. This will then help with your kind of perspective and um, what's going on in your life and kind of be more accurate, I think. You know, so you're balancing out both what you are anxious about and what you're grateful for. Um, the other thing is that mindfulness lowers your heart rate. It calms down your nervous system. Um, if you breathe in for four seconds and breathe out for six seconds, that actually lowers your heart rate. If you do the reverse, it increases your heart rate. That's why you see in the Olympics recently, um, the short distance runners, uh, they would do these like quick, rapid inhales to uh, bring up their heart rate. So you do the opposite and it actually lowers your heart rate. In my mind, what mindfulness does is it kind of stabilizes your nervous system so that your thinking can come back online. Yeah. And I I think what you touched on is the interlinking connection between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And as somebody may slow their breathing as part of mindfulness, a behavioral intervention, or they may be able to kind of slow down what I refer to as the anxiety loop, which yep. is, right, those thoughts are racing and it, it has an impact on the physical body. People begin to respond and then it really kind of creates this compounding loop. So yeah. I'm gathering from it you. Feeds that the, into it. Yeah. The mindfulness is something that can help to kind of slow things down, which ultimately slows down the thinking and helps to kind of calm the whole system. Yeah. And it possibly allow for easier intervention on a cognitive level, but also in and of itself is helping to calm the whole system. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it lowers your baseline a bit, it soothes it out so that you can be more receptive to possibilities. I think anxiety tells us that whatever it latches onto is the reality and is the the thing like the catastrophe or the worst case scenario in your mind. But with mindfulness, if, if you're able to slow yourself down, at the very least, your vision opens up and you're able to explore other options and, and kind of think through the other options. And I think this is also very relevant for our listeners who may experience uh, anticipatory anxiety leading yeah. up to sexual activity, and they can kind of feel that build up. Um, and I could imagine that uh, being able to ground, being mindful, being able to kind of stay in the present uh, yeah. moments could help with the anticipatory anxiety. Um, I want to be able to talk a little bit more in a moment about performance anxiety, but before we get there, so are mindfulness exercises action-based? Are they emotionally based? Are they thought-based? Because I think all of us as human beings uh, approach our general well-being, but certainly our mental health uh, mm-hmm. with a little bit of a bend in one of these directions. Some of us are more emotionally oriented, others are more cognitive or more um, 
thought-based and some of us like the behavioral stuff. So I'm wondering um, if you could speak a little bit to some of the interventions and where they fall into this spectrum. You know, a, a physical intervention for uh, for sex and anxiety, and specifically for men and erection, is a wax and wane. And, and I think of this as a, a mindfulness-based uh, activity. And uh, guys can do this by themselves or with a partner uh, or partners, uh, where they uh, masturbate to the point where they get erect, uh, and then they let go, and they allow themselves to fully deflate, and then they uh, masturbate again until uh, they are hard, and then they let go and so on and so forth kind of the cycle continues uh and what this does is it trains your mind your nervous system your expectations and also your partners to know that just because the erection goes away or goes down doesn't mean that it's gone forever that it can and will come back and kind of you know literally and figuratively flexes that muscle as it were psychologically uh, a way to do it is to really connect how certain types of thoughts lead into certain types of behaviors. So anticipatory anxiety, let's say an hour or so before the date, or you schedule the date and your mind, you notice your mind does already start to race. And so if you can slow yourself down and really investigate those thoughts and say, okay, my thoughts are really going towards saying this date is going to go really well in the beginning. Then we're going to go back to the person's house and then we're going to bang and I'm not going to get it up. And I'm going to be really ashamed and I'm going to, and you just go down that loop, but then you offer other ideas. You offer other suggestions to yourself. You're challenging your own thoughts to say, okay, what if that doesn't happen? What if there's another possibility? Or what if I can name that I'm anxious to my partner, uh, to my hookup? What if I can name that I need to slow down? You really just kind of open up the possibilities. And emotionally, it's learning how anxiety shows up in your body physically. Sometimes people feel the little twist in their gut, tenseness in their shoulders, uh, clenching their fists. That's a really good early warning sign. Here in California, we are uh, we got those earthquakes. We're still trying to figure out our early warning system. Early warning system for anxiety and uh, emotions is our body and is the way that our body holds our anxiety. I think just it's really important, um, even for myself, but certainly for our listeners to hear that when we talk about mindfulness, it is not some state where just there's nothing happening inside of your mind. It's all perfectly yeah. quiet. Uh, mindfulness is far more broad than just what's happening in thought. There's there's experience, there's emotion. Totally. And if people relate to different parts, they can still practice different aspects of mindfulness. And I, what I like about it is that um, all this is interconnected. So what you mm -hmm. think, what you feel, what you do are always impacting each other. And sometimes it's just a matter of finding the right port of entry yeah. uh, that fits that particular person. So coming back to mindfulness and performance anxiety. So my thinking is continually evolving about uh, this experience of performance anxiety and some of the challenges that I think uh, men face with sexual performance and certainly with um, erections and erectile dysfunction. Sometimes and what I'm hearing from people that I work with seems a little bit more of a very acute anxiety, almost like a panic. I wouldn't quite say like a panic attack, but it's uh -huh. a very intense, rapid thinking that's happening. So one of the things that I'm really curious about, and I think our listeners would want to know about too, is when we talk about mindfulness exercises, are these exercises something that a person can do in the moment and really mm -hmm. kind of be able to regulate those emotions or is 
mindfulness more of a daily practice that helps to um, retrain the mind and the body over time, but maybe would not be so applicable to that immediate in the moment calming that a lot of men are looking to be able to do. Right, right. No, that's a great question. And one that I get asked all the time. And the answer is yes, it's, it's, can be both, right? There's, there's practices that are both for um, daily preventative care, which I, I really recommend that's to help with the baseline. So the, you know, the morning meditation or the morning walk, walking meditation could be, uh, that's what I do every morning with my dog and little kid. Um, yeah, what we're looking at is the baseline of, um, you know, slowing down and reducing the baseline so that you are less uh, reactive, less anxious. Uh, but in the moment, there's some really good uh, interventions that can happen can help with just bringing yourself and grounding in the moment. Uh, one in my book, I call uh, five, four, three, two, one, or other people call it dropping in. Um, and just like I said earlier in the podcast, it's engaging all five senses. Uh, so what you do is you look around and you name five things that you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. Uh, you do it much slower than I just named it, but the, the practice is to really just slowly bring yourself into the room. That's what dropping in. Um, and I think that that can be one of the best things that you can do in the moment. And if you're holding this belief that you're going to, let's say a one night stand, or even with a long-term partner, that you're going to be this rugged dude who um, is, you know, that just that stereotypical like porn or Fabio type guy, you're not going to do this. This isn't going to work for you um, because that's not reality all the time. The reality is sometimes our uh, bodies betray us. <laughs> uh, sometimes we have to kind of work with what we got. Um, so that's the other acceptance piece. Like, yeah, I don't want to be here doing this mindfulness stuff while I'm trying to get sexy, but here I am. And the more I accept this, the quicker this is going to go. Yeah, so almost again, an acceptance of the acceptance Right. <laughs> uh, seems to be seems to be like yeah. a a theme because it is yeah. it is a struggle and I was I was going to ask you uh, because I could imagine I'm just you know thinking about people that I've spoken to uh, over the years saying oh you know it sounds nice it sounds really great mm -hmm. but I'm thinking if a if a man is you know in a heterosexual uh, relationship um, you know I've heard things like well you know I I you know I got her here I'm like about to you know try try this or try that. Oftentimes there's you know, anxiety right around the point of penetration for a lot of men. Yeah. And they say, well, what, like, what, what can I do in that exact moment that isn't going to kill the moment uh -huh. and I can somehow calm myself down? And I think it's a really hard question. It's a hard question. Yeah. And so I don't think there's necessarily an easy solution, but I could imagine that something uh, along the lines that you're talking about, maybe in a micro form that a guy works on before yeah. And he has a way of kind of grounding in the moment. Uh, right. Maybe he only takes the two or the four <laughs> or he finds <laughs> something that helps him to kind of ground anything to just break yeah. up that anxiety loop that yeah. could be helpful. Does that, does that kind of resonate with your experience in working with, with men? Absolutely. And I kind of also want to challenge us to think about what would it be like to encourage our clients to just name that they're anxious with their partners to say, Hey, can I take a moment? Um, I found myself following the client in the anxiety of, no, I can't admit that. I can't admit that. And that's 
feeding into the anxiety. It's feeding into the expectations. It's enabling that patriarchal view and of, of that men need to be strong, that anxiety is weak, that depression is weak. Um, and it's something that I'm also noticing is my own kind of internalized patriarchy, internalized masculinity of saying like, no, I can't tell a guy to admit that he's anxious because he's just going to tell me that I'm full of shit. But I think that it's important for us to work against that. The ones that are just like, nope, can't do it. Give me any other option than naming it. Then yeah, we can talk about. Um, but I think that there's something really vulnerable and connecting to saying, this is where I'm at. I'm anxious. Give me five minutes. Mm-hmm. Let's have a and sandwich. I- <laughs> And I and I, I I think that there is something powerful in being able to say something out loud, being able mm-hmm. to verbalize it, because yeah. you know, from my perspective, anxiety tends to compound very rapidly in yeah. isolation. Um, and point. just being yeah. able to kind of step out of the shadows could be a very yeah. powerful intervention. Of course, I recognize that there is, as you're probably fully aware, a lot of complexity to people's relationships, yeah. and it does take a lot of vulnerability and safety. Yeah. Um, and I think each relationship kind of has to be assessed, not just the internal constructs of masculinity, but also is it is it actually safe to go ahead and say something uh, to a partner, or is that going to result in you know, further uh, rejection, pain, uh, relationship yeah. conflict and whatnot. So there's definitely layers of complexity, but um, I really, really appreciate kind of mentioning just how that also could be really important in slowing down or breaking the anxiety loop. Yeah. I mean, and especially in in some um, queer male subcultures where um, there is very little talking in sex, you know, you're not going to have those moments of um, saying I'm anxious or saying, you know, hello or who you are. Yeah. You know, and I think if you're not feeling safe enough, that's another question, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of complexities and, you know, especially if you're doing like um, a scene as it were, or there's like a role play or a kink, you know, then you would have to have like a, a safe word or something involved to kind of proactively prevent some of the overwhelm or panic. Yeah. So this has been really helpful. I think our listeners are really going to be able to take um, a lot of this uh, discussion that we had here and right. start thinking about how how can they apply this um, to their own situations, both you know maybe having a bit of a daily routine, uh, incorporating a mindfulness exercise. And it doesn't, like, like you pointed out, it could be a couple minutes or even yep. less, yep. just a matter of infusing a little bit into yep. the daily routine and thinking about what can be done in that moment and that like acute panic uh, what kind of mindfulness tools can be utilized to just help kind of bring things down? I think it's important, and you can correct me um, if you don't see it the same way, but it's important to recognize that anxiety probably is going to persist on some level, and that's okay. This is about slowing it down yeah. so that it's manageable enough, so that pleasure can begin to override the anxiety and the sexual experience can proceed forward in a pleasurable type of way. Uh, but men should not expect that there's, you know, some magic tool that is going to take them from this like really fast moving anxiety loop to yeah. feeling 100% serenity. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. Unfortunately, that, that tool is not out there. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. David, I really appreciate you joining us for this episode. Where, where can men find your book? If this is something that that really kind of speaks to them in terms of uh, their yeah. experience with managing sexual dysfunction or sexual function challenges, 
Yeah, you can either go to uh, my website, warriortherapy.com. That's warrior with an O. Uh, in there has uh, all my links to my my book and my uh, future uh, groups in California coming up and also my therapy website. And we'll, we'll be sure to drop a link in the episode yeah. description. So once again, thank you for your time. And we, look you forward so much, to, and we look forward to having you on a future episode. Absolutely. Thank you. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know there is a huge mental component that goes into achieving an erection. Mark Goldberg, the certified sex therapist who hosts this podcast, felt as though this was a very underserved topic of education in men's health. That's why he designed Beyond the Little Blue Pill, the thinking man's guide to addressing ED. The course is designed to educate and fundamentally help you change the way you think about erections. Check it out at erectioniq.com front slash course. You can explore three modules of this course completely free. See if there's something in there that can help you. erectioniq.com slash course and you can learn more there. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit erectioniq.com.